So as Pastor Smith mentioned, uh, we are uh, in the second week of our sermon series, Ask Me Anything, and we had a number of questions submitted about death. Uh, I'm sure that for even those who did not submit questions, that's probably something that has at least once or twice been on your mind about, you know, death and what happens after death as Christians. Uh, Death is kind of an interesting thing, right? You don't do it and then get to talk about it, so there's not a, a ton that we know about it. Uh, And so as we go through today, we're going to be talking about uh, death from uh, what the Bible has to say about it. And we're going to be, I'll be breaking up this sermon into three parts. So as we begin this conversation, I want to start with something that's kind of basic, but is important to look at. Why is there death? Was death a part of the plan? And to do so, we are going to jump back to the beginning, to Genesis. Uh, You know, in the beginning, God creates birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals of the ground, and and humans. And with those uh, living beings, God creates life. He gives them life. And it's really important that that's not overlooked. Where there was no life, God gave life. He created it. In the perfection of God's paradise, his master plan, there was only life. Death was never intended to be part of God's creation. It's really important for us to realize. Uh, We see in Genesis 2, uh, God tells Adam and Eve, he says, uh, you uh, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And he then says, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So before that point, and, and as part of God's plan, there is no death. It's when, if they disobey God, the result is death. And we see then in Genesis 3, after they sin, God says to Adam and Eve, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So we see this result of their sin, like how he had told them, is that the result of their disobeying was sin. Death was not a part of God's plan. I remember on Vicarage, there was uh, one Sunday that I was praying for the family of someone who had lost a loved one. And I, I said something kind of to the effect of, God, death wasn't what you wanted for this person. And I remember coming up to a group of people who were talking afterwards, and they were kind of questioning each other about it, and I, I got to talk to them about it. And they were kind of shocked to hear that, that death wasn't part of God's plan, what he wanted for that, uh, that person. Death is such a certainty in life, right? We all know it's coming for not only us, but for our loved ones. And we kind of just accept that death is part of of life, right? Just the circle of life. But that's not how it should be. Death is the very opposite of what God wanted for his creation. In fact, in John 10, Jesus says that, I came to bring life I came that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Life was God's plan for his creation. And so when we think about death, though it comes for every single one of us, it was never part of God's plan for his creation. Death only came as a result of sin. It was the result of Adam and Eve listening to, listening to and trusting in the serpent more than God. 
That is when death entered into the picture. And so that's why death happens in the first place. Next, I want to talk about uh, what does the Bible say happens to me after I die? That's the the second of the three parts I want to look at. There are a lot of misconceptions about what happens after death. Some of them are harmful, while while others are not as harmful. Uh, Some of them that you maybe have heard, you know, you've got uh, people who believe that when you die, you are reincarnated. You know, you you come back. You live another life as as another person or an animal, and you get another life and another life and another life. Then there are some people who believe that after death, you just cease to exist. You, you go into oblivion. You, you're nothing. Nothing. Uh, there's no more you. And then there are others who believe that, you know, when you die, you go to purgatory to suffer and pay for your sins for a short period of time. And then there are some misconceptions that aren't necessarily harmful, but are also not accurate. You know, you've probably heard that when, uh, when somebody dies, they become an angel. You know, grandma or grandpa just got their wings. And kind of along with that is that, uh, you know, when somebody dies, that they are watching over you from heaven. Now, out of all of these, I think, at least in my experience, the most common one is, is that last one, right? That when, when grandma or grandpa dies, they're, they're watching over you from above. I know I was told that when I was six years old and my grandma died. But let me just say, they're having way too great of a time with Jesus to care about what's going on down here. And that means nothing about their current relationship with you. It means all about their, what they're doing with Jesus. So in the catechism, it, it asks and answers this question. Question 223, it asks the question of, what happens to me as a Christian when I die? And here's the response. When I die, the, the God-given unity of body and spirit will be broken. I will immediately be in the presence of Christ in heaven, but my body will remain in the grave until the resurrection. And I think especially for Christians in this topic of death, this is maybe what we are wanting to know the most of, what we have the most questions about is, is this time between death and eternal life. Because as Christians, we know the end, right? We know that on the last day, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to raise the dead. You know, we, we confess that when we say the creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. We, through faith, know the end, minus all the details. But we know that Jesus is going to come on the last day. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And for those who have had faith in him, they're going to spend eternity with him. And for those who have rejected him, they're going to be apart from him for eternity. But what about that time between when you die and that last day? Well, when our bodies die— quite frankly, they're on earth, right? They're either in a casket or in an urn or, you know, spread wherever. You know, sometimes, you know, half the family takes the ashes and puts them by the beach because, you know, mom loved the beach and some take part of the ashes and go spread at the cabin. You know, whatever the case, that's where the body is. 
If you've ever been to a, a wake or uh, seen a cremation box, that's where the body is. And that's going to be where the body is until the last day. You know, when we're on the topic of cremation, I just want to take a, a quick moment to address kind of a, a sub-question that was submitted and uh, maybe you have wrestled with. Whether it's you've wrestled with this when trying to decide for a loved one whether to cremate or not and, and thinking about yourself. But the question of, should I be cremated? Is it okay for me to be cremated? Uh, and while I, I can't speak to every single person, I think the majority of the concern is, well, I'm, I'm destroying my body. You know, God created my body. I'm destroying that. So that, is that okay? And then, you know, if, you, if you're spreading it, then, you know, you're even separating your body on top of it being destroyed. And so to respond to that thought, I, I want to ask two rhetorical questions. And I ask them not to insult, but to kind of redirect the focus. First question is, do you think that the bodies of Adam and Eve, of Peter and Paul, of Martin Luther, or of your great-grandparents, do you think their bodies are still intact? It takes only up to 72 hours for a body to start decomposing if it's not been embalmed. And it takes only between 5 and 10 years for a body to be completely decomposed, even if it has been embalmed. So except for the people who have died just a few years prior to Jesus coming, none of our bodies are going to be intact. My next rhetorical question is, do you think if someone's body is, is decomposed or, uh, you know, somebody had their ashes spread far apart, do you think that on the last day Jesus is, is going to be like, oh no, if these ashes were just one mile closer, then I'd be able to bring the body back? No. He's also not going to be like, you know what? Defeating death, that was easy. But putting this body back together, way too hard for me. No. God will raise the dead, no matter what state their bodies are in. We believe God can literally do the impossible. We believe that he already has done the impossible. Jesus died and was brought back to life. We believe that our unforgivable sin was forgiven. We believe in the life and the, the future that he has for us. If he can take care of those bigger things that are far more impossible, he can take care of our bodies not being intact. I also want to take this opportunity to just say that God cares about our bodies, right? God created our bodies. God is going to raise our bodies on the last day. How we care for our bodies and our neighbor's bodies it matters. Humans are not just soul. Humans are not just body. Humans, God's created being, are both body and soul. So when we die, the unity of our body will be broken. Our body will remain here, whether cremated or buried in the ground, while our soul goes to be with Jesus. Now, the Bible does say very little about this time period in between death and the last day. There are just a, a, really a, a small handful of passages, but 
there are two that, that I want to share that Paul kind of addresses this. Uh, Paul, in Philippians 1, talks about how he desires to leave this earth to be with Jesus. Whatever it's like, you know, obviously he's talking about not having the body. Whatever it's like, though, it's better than the best this world has to offer. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul talks about how those who have died in faith, how on the last day Jesus is going to bring the souls of those people with and is going to uh, reunite them with their bodies. So their souls are with Jesus, and Jesus on the last day is going to bring them back when he raises the dead. Then we also have our gospel reading for today. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says to the criminal next to him that today, today you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't just say, you'll be with me in paradise. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And so while we don't know a ton about what happens immediately at the point of death, here's kind of a summary of what the Bible does say. At the point of death, uh, our, our body and soul will be separated. Our bodies, which have died, will remain in the ground, in the urn, whatever the case may be, until the last day. Whereas our soul goes to be with Jesus without our bodies. And that's, and it's like that until the last day where Jesus will raise the dead, reuniting bodies and souls. So we've looked at what the Bible says about why there's death. And we've looked at what the Bible says about uh, what happens to us at the point of death. Our, our final stop is going to be looking at what the Bible says about what happens on the last day. Do any of you remember in tw- uh, towards the end of 2012, there were a lot of people who thought the world was going to end? Anybody remember? Yeah. Uh, this was based on an old Mayan calendar that predicted the world was going to end. Does anybody remember the day? Well, you were here last night. That's cheating. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, December 21st, 2012. Uh, I, I remember, you know, there were, there were actually a lot of people in my, uh, that I knew who thought that the world was going to end. Turns out they were wrong. <laughs> there have been a lot of people and a lot of people groups who have either claimed to know or tried to predict the end of the world when, when Jesus is going to come back. And you know what they all have in common? They're wrong. No one knows when that will be. A number of times, Jesus uh, tells his disciples that no one knows the day or the hour that he will return. And and Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Now, if you were to be robbed by a thief, would you have any idea when the thief was coming? No. No. Unless you're Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, you have no idea when the thief is going to come. But when Jesus does come, it'll be sudden and it'll be unexpected. And, and, and how he's going to come, it describes in more than five books of the Bible, it describes Jesus coming down in the clouds, which is the same way that he left, right? He ascended into heaven in front of the disciples' eyes. And Paul describes it more in 1 Thessalonians that when Jesus comes, he will first raise the dead. That's the first thing he's going to do when he comes back, is he's going to reunite the bodies and the souls. 
And Paul says that after the, the dead have been raised, that everyone who is still alive having faith in Jesus will be caught up in the clouds, joining those who have died in the faith, who have been resurrected, and joining Jesus. After this, this is when Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And it's when he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And I mean, with the resurrection, there are plenty of other questions that we don't have answers to, like, is he going to do it all at once? Every single person at the same time, is he going to go one by one throughout the course of history? We just don't know. What we do know is that because of Jesus, because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, we have eternity, eternal life, waiting on the other side of that judgment. And I love Paul's words that he uses to conclude this section from 1 Thessalonians, which is ultimately where I want to leave you with. Paul writes, And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. At the end of the day, there's, there's a lot that we don't know about death, about what, what happens after death and, and about the last day. There's, there's probably more that we don't know than what we do know. But what we do know, what, what brings us hope amidst, the, every, uh, amidst everything we face in life is like what Paul said, is that we will be with the Lord forever. That's what matters the most. Because Jesus has defeated death, you don't need to fear death. You don't have to worry what heaven is going to be like. You don't have to worry where you're going to end up. In Christ, you win. And so may you have the mindset that Paul did in Philippians, where his desire is to be with God, but for the sake of others around and for the sake of uh, the work that God has prepared, that you would continually, uh, that you would joyfully live here on earth. May God give you the strength to live your life and the peace to face your death. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the, the sure and certain hope that we have. Lord, death is our, our biggest enemy. It's, it, it's what hurts more than anything else in our life. And Lord, we thank you that as we heard from uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, that, that you've taken the sting out of death that, that death, it doesn't get the final victory, Lord. You do. We thank you for the hope, the, the sure and certain hope that we have because of, uh, because of your death and your resurrection. Help us to, to cling boldly to that hope and may that hope guide us in every day, uh, in everything that we do every day of our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.